Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning, everyone. What a sweet time of worship. Thank you, worship team, for, for doing that. That's, that's awesome, yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I'll, I get here early on, on Sundays that I'm speaking, and they're, they're here before me every week, right? So they're, they're putting a lot of time, so thank you all. So um, thanks for joining us. My name is Josh Locke. I'm one of the elders, and uh, we're excited to start off a new series here this week. Uh, it's a big Sunday, a couple holidays, right? Super Bowl Sunday. Big, big deal. I know you're like, the Super Bowl, the Patriots, you know, they're not there. Give it, give it maybe two or three years. I, I think we'll be back. Uh, so Super Bowl Sunday, then Valentine's Day. I just saw a bunch of people like freeze, like, uh, what? <laughs> Valentine's Day? Um, but yeah, it's tomorrow. And, uh, you know, we've been on a big kick about love recently at Shiloh and, and just studying love. And up, up to this point, we, we've been in 1 Corinthians 13 and looking at love and how love is more than a feeling. We've been looking at uh, the different kinds of love that exist. And we're, we're starting a new series today called Unbelievable. And it's looking at people that Jesus loved and how his love was unbelievable for all of us. Um, you know, we'll, we'll look at some, some different, different people that he interacted with where it was sometimes a really short interaction, but every time that he did that, um, th- there were some powerful you know, words, actions, ways that Jesus loved that, that we'll be studying. Uh, we'll look at his uncomplicated love. We'll look at his undeserved love, his un conditional love, his unexpected love, and even his unenjoyable love sometimes for all of us. Um, We're doing something a little bit different during the series, so we will be, for our main text, using a video to show these interactions, right? This is all about Jesus with people, and so we'll be be looking at a video that that covers the main text, and then we'll go through it, uh, the, the text as we go. But we have a blueprint that God has given us for how to love like Jesus. And that's our goal, is, is to love like Jesus. So that, that's what we're hoping to, to learn from the series. So today, our, our message is called, um, it's about the unexpected love of Jesus. And we'll be looking at the story of Jesus and the Samaritan woman at the well from, from John 4. Go ahead. Give me a drink. Did you hear me? That's bad, huh? What? You, would you ask for a drink from me, a Samaritan? 
And a woman. I'm sorry. I should have said please. You know, it's not safe for you to be alone out here. Nor you. Why haven't you come with others? Why so late in the day? Don't women come to the wells in the, the cool of the morning? Yeah, well, none of them will be seen with me, so I have to come at noon in the heat, as you have so kindly reminded me. Why won't they be seen with you? Long story. I'd, I'd still like a drink of water if you can spare it. Amazing what a parched throat will do. Aren't I unclean to you? Won't you be defiled by this vessel? Maybe some of my people say that about your women, but I don't. Yeah? And what do you say? I say if you knew who I am, you'd be asking me for a drink. Really? And I would give you living water. Wood. Except that you have nothing to draw water with, and this is a deep well. Besides, what do you need from me if you have your own supply of living water? Wrong story. But Jewish water is better than Samaritan water. Hmm? That's not what I said. Are you a better man than our ancestor Jacob, who dug this well? Your water is better than his? I know, Jacob. And everyone who drinks this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. Wouldn't that be nice? The water I give will become in a person a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Really? Yes, really. Prove it. First, go and call your husband and come back. I will show you both. I don't have a husband. You are right. You've had five husbands. And the man you're living with now is not your husband. <laughs> oh, I see. You're a prophet. You're here to preach at me. No. Usually the one good thing about coming here alone is I can escape being condemned. I'm not here to condemn you. I've made mistakes. Too many. But it's men like you who have made it impossible for me to do anything about it. How? Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain. But you Jews insist Jerusalem is the only place for true worship. They say that because the temple is there. Yeah. Exactly where we're not allowed. I'm here to break those barriers. And the time is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. So, where am I supposed to go when I need God? I've never received anything from God, but I couldn't thank him, even if I did. Anywhere. God is spirit. And the time is coming and is now here. That it won't matter where you worship, but only that you do it in spirit and truth. Heart and mind, that, that is the kind of worshiper he's looking for. It won't matter where you're from or what you've done. Do you believe what I'm telling you? <laughs> Until the Messiah comes and explains everything. 
and sorts this mess out, including me. I don't trust in anyone. You're wrong when you say that you've never received anything from God. This Messiah you speak of, I am he. The first one was named Ramin. You were a woman of purity who was excited to be married. But he wasn't a good man. He hurt you. And it made you question marriage and even the practice of your faith. Stop it. The second was Farzad. On your wedding night, his skin smelled like oranges. And to this day, every time you pass by the oranges in the market, you feel guilty for leaving him because he was the only truly godly man you've been with. But you felt unworthy. Why are you doing this? I have not revealed myself to the public as the Messiah. You are the first. It would be good if you believed me. You picked the wrong person. I came to Samaria just to meet you. <laughs> Do you think it's an accident that I'm, I'm here in the middle of the day? I am rejected by others. I know. But not by the Messiah. And you know these things because you are the Christ. I'm going to tell everyone. I was counting on it. <laughs> Spirit and truth. Spirit and truth. It won't be all about mountains or temples. Soon. Just the heart. You promise. I promise. This man told me everything I've done. Oh, he must be the Christ! <laughs> You forgot your um. <laughs> All right. So this this whole interaction was unexpected, right? But it was absolutely intentional. It was an unexpected what Jesus did. It was unexpected what he said. You know, this this story is, is a really good picture of what happened. Everything in the Word is there. They, they add some stuff. Um, if you've read the story, you'll, you'll see those. Uh, but the, the Spirit is there. Like the, the truth is there in the Word as we go through. So let's get some context here before we start. This is in John chapter 4. That's, that's when this happens. In John 3, right before this, Jesus is meeting with Nicodemus. He's a, a Pharisee, a religious ruler, and he's having a conversation. And he's talking about the Messiah coming in abstract. So he, he's, he says, John three sixteen. you know, God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Jesus is talking about himself, but he doesn't actually come out and say who he is to this, uh, this religious ruler. And then in verse 4, really where the story starts, the text says that now he had to go through Samaria. So just to give you some context, Jesus is in Judea, which is the bottom. 
Samaria is in the middle, and he needs, he's going to Galilee. Right? You look at this map, and you're thinking, sure, he, he needs to go through Samaria. And, and while that's true from a geographic sense that he, he could have done that, any good Jew in Jesus' day and a rabbi, who, who Jesus was, would never have gone through Samaria. They would have gone around Samaria. I read some commentary that, that gave like specific directions that they would go to this town and then cross this river and get to this mountain. and They would go around it because there's, there was such a clash between the Jews and the Samaritans, which, which we'll talk about in a moment. So when the text is saying he had to go through Samaria, it wasn't that he had to go through because of a geographic reason. He had to go through because Jesus was on a spiritual mission. So let's lay some groundwork for, for the context and culturally what's happening here. In verse 9, the woman says, uh, or the woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you're a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? So this woman's even surprised that Jesus is having the conversation. That's there. And, and really, there's two main reasons why that is. So for some context, uh, the religious differences between the Jews and the Samaritans was, was enormous. Jews and Samaritans both believed in the Pentateuch, which is the first five books of the Bible. They, they all started kind of from the same place. But whereas, right, if you read the Old Testament, the Israel gets taken over and countries come in and people move and move, like the Israelites leave and come back, the Jews kept themselves separate from all of the people that came in. And the Samaritans did not. They, they intermarried, they, uh, they allowed like, religious influences and cultural influences to, to combine to make this cocktail of a religion that kind of was like, like um, Judaism, but, but not at all. And the Jews considered it heresy. Right? They, they thought it was just absolutely out there. And, they, and because of that, there was just, just hatred between Jews and Samaritans. Um, you think of the good Samaritan, Jesus tells this parable, and the Jews were probably like, you can't say that. Those words don't go together, a Jew and a good and a Samaritan. But Jesus, he, he's, you know, he's coming to this woman at kind of the height of this conflict where the, some of the Jewish leaders, would, they would like ransack temples of the Samaritans and vice versa. And this woman acknowledges the, this big cultural, uh, this big religious difference that's there. So right off the bat, from a, from a religious standpoint, these two people should never have interacted because any good Jew would have gone around. And then from a cultural standpoint, Jesus was a single man and she was a woman. And in Jesus' day, there would be no interaction between the two, right? A man would, would not have talked to a woman like that. It just, it just wouldn't have happened. And so you have these big differences that, that would all lead to believe this, this interaction should not have happened. So that's the backdrop. So think of that as, as we go through the verses to, to get some more um, context. So in verse 10, a bunch of things happen in, in the body of, of uh, this, this right here. So 10 to 24, Jesus asks for water, right? He offers her living water. They have that dialogue. Jesus says to go get your husband and we know a little bit about this woman's background, right? She says, I don't have a husband. And Jesus says, that's right, you've had, you've had five. And so, we, you know, we don't know what her background is. We only know two things. It's that she had five husbands and that she was isolated from her community. 
women would gather together in the cool of the day and all go to get water from the well. It was, it was like a, a social time. So the fact that she's doing it in the hottest part of the day by herself meant that there was some, some big isolation uh, that, that existed for her. And I, I, a commentary I read about this said that uh, they considered this, this town in the area where Jesus was to be the armpit of the Middle East, right? So it's just like a hot, you know, awful place to be. And she's coming at the hottest part of the day to get water because it's the only time she can, she can even go. Jesus has the comment about worshiping in the spirit and the truth. I loved, I love that. I've read that a bunch of times before and that never really, like I, I got it, but not really. And then, you know, when, when it, he says it's all about the heart, I was like, yeah, that, that is the message of Jesus. It's about the heart. It's not about we worship on this mountain, you worship on this mountain. It's all about the heart, right? So they have this interaction and the woman's still not totally there. She's still not, you know, getting it all the way. And then everything changes for her. In verse 25, The woman said, well, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. And then Jesus said to her, I am the Messiah. Right, so up to this point, she's still not getting it. She's acknowledging she's waiting for the Messiah. And then Jesus tells her that he is the Messiah. And just just before this interaction... Right? Jesus is meeting with this religious leader who it would make a lot of sense to say, hey, guess what? It's me that you've read about for so long, and he doesn't. He does it for, he, he waits to do it for this, <clears throat> this woman. And you know, that's the spiritual mission that Jesus was on, to reveal himself to her. You know, talk about value that he's placing on this woman, right? to, to not do it then and then to, to share that with her now. And we'll see that the recognition of who Jesus was has a profound impact on her. So in the last couple of verses, verses 27 to 30, and then the, the very end, the disciples come back, and the Bible says that they were surprised. <laughs> and they were, because they were like, why is Jesus talking to this woman? Um, they're surprised, but none of them said anything. They're probably too afraid, which was a good call on their part. So the woman leaves after seeing the Messiah, and her life is changed. Right? That the, the video adds some, some text in there about the different husbands' names. You know, we don't really know what was said, but we know that when Jesus reveals that he's the Messiah, she leaves. She goes, she tells the village, and the village comes streaming out to see Jesus. In verse 39, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. Right? So Jesus revealing this to her, gives her a purpose. She goes out, she tells the village, and they, they come to know Jesus. They, they start to follow him. So how does this fit into unexpected love? So Jesus showed the love to the Samaritan woman by interacting with her, by seeing the deepest part of her heart and extending grace, acceptance, and forgiveness. He broke down religious barriers, cultural barriers, cultural norms that were there. Jesus pushed all of those aside. He was unconcerned what people would think, that he was talking with this woman. Oftentimes, I think it's easy for us as Christians to be worried about, well, if I'm associating with this person, these people, what are other believers going to think? You know, Jesus didn't care about that at all. He cared he cared zero about what other people would think. He spoke truth and love to her. He gave her that living water 
He talks about living water. That's the gospel. That's new life that's there. And when Jesus is interacting with her, he demonstrates that his love was not about her background, not about who she was or what she'd done or what she believed, that his love was purely a gift for her. And he gave her purpose. He gave her value. You know, when we recognize who Jesus is, we experience that same thing as well, that unexpected love, that hope, and that purpose that he gives to us. And I was thinking about this. Okay, where is this in the Word? Like, where do we see this, this kind of play out, um, this, this idea of love that, that we wouldn't expect coming from Jesus? And I was brought to Romans 5.8. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And I think this captures it perfectly. The love that Jesus gives to us, that unexpected love that we're talking about, it wasn't because of what we did. It wasn't because of our background or we were good enough or from the right family or this or that. We looked the same. It was because of his love for us. Jesus sent, or God sent Jesus while we were still sinners. And we're all loved with that unexpected love. And encountering Jesus is what makes that difference for us. So this interaction was life-changing for her. We don't know anything else about, about her story. And as we go through the series, a lot of these interactions we see are just little snippets in time where we don't see anything else. But it was life-changing. It, it changed her because of, of how Jesus loved her. You know, and this was, this was so unexpected. They should have never met, right? Any good Jew shouldn't have gone through that area. They should never have talked. I read a, a commentary about this. They, they said that the most likely outcome of, of a Jewish rabbi like Jesus and a Samaritan woman, if they happened to be in the same place, would be that they wouldn't even acknowledge each other's presence. That was the level of, of hatred that existed between the two of them. So they should never have talked, let alone had a meaningful conversation. You know, her life didn't really scream, you're worth having this news, this great news about who Jesus was be revealed to her. Jesus hasn't even told anyone yet. And, and, you know, I think about the love that God gives us is unexpected. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So where are you being called today? I, you know, I was, I was praying about this message and, and just seeking the Lord to say, God, what is your heart? And all morning during our, our morning time of prayer and up here when, when I'm listening to, to the worship, I just hear, you know, thinking about our response how do we respond to the Father? How do we respond to God when, when he's speaking to us or saying something to us? John 10 says that we, his sheep, we know his voice. And I think as Christians, it, it takes us time to really understand and really decipher, is this God? Is this God speaking to me? Or is this, you know, is this my mind? Is this just me thinking this? Or is it truly the Father who's speaking to me? But I believe that God wants us to respond to him today. And it's either he wants us to give love or he wants us to receive this love. So if you've been listening, you saw that story play out. And you, you feel like maybe God is saying this love is something he wants you to give. Right? How do we love unexpectedly like, like Christ did? His love didn't look at the differences. His love didn't, didn't look at background or history or, 
or previous choices. But that's, that's a hard one for me, the previous choices. That's a hard, hard one to get behind. But who in your life could God be calling you to love that's maybe different than you? You know, I, I don't know specifically what that will look like, that interaction, but unexpected love is going to look like the gospel. That's what it was for this woman. It was the good news. And it will point to Jesus. And I believe that God wants us to leave here today with a burden for someone, right? If you feel like this is speaking to you to give love, I believe that God wants us to have a burden for those people. So how do we share the unexpected love of Jesus? It starts by being willing and asking God. You know, it's okay if you don't know, if, if you don't have a person or people that jump out in your mind, that, that's okay. It starts by saying, God, who are you calling me to this? You know, I, I, as I was preparing for this, I, this, this is the one that really hit me, the response that I feel like God wants me to respond to, is, is to just say, God, who, who are you calling me to? Who are the people in my life that are different, that uh, I would not normally be with for whatever reason? And how do you want me to love them? Ephesians 6.19 says, Pray also for me, that whenever I speak, words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. So if, if you feel like God is calling you to respond, to give love today, I encourage you to ask him. Say, God, who, who is it that you're placing on my heart? Maybe someone's in your, in your mind right now. Maybe they're not. But if you feel like God is, is saying, you know, I want you to give this love, we, we are his sheep. We know his voice. So if that's you... God is calling you to respond to that today. And it starts by asking him, asking him, who, who is it, Lord? And the second, the second peop, group of people, you might be feeling a call to respond to his love. And when the Holy Spirit is speaking to us, God is calling you to something. So maybe you can relate to this woman. Maybe you feel in some way that isolation or that difference or that that hatred that other people feel, or maybe people just treat you differently because of X, Y, or Z, whatever it is. But just like the woman came to that well, like she probably had done every day, not expecting anything, but Jesus met her there and gave her love, gave her hope, gave her purpose. Now, it, it was unexpected that maybe you're feeling this way now, that God is calling you to that love, but it's absolutely purposeful and intentional. Jesus was on a mission, and this woman didn't realize it, but Jesus was absolutely there with intentionality to speak to her. So, and, and, you know, to just, just a point on this. This isn't necessarily about believing in Jesus for the first time as, as your Savior. I think all, all of us as believers... There are times when we need to receive God's love, and it's hard to do because of, of whatever it is, our background, our previous choices. My second thought is Hebrews four twelve and 13. For the word of God is alive and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joint and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. 
everything is uncovered and laid bare before Jesus. So we stand before God, a God in heaven, who has seen and knows everything we ever did. He knows it all. Jesus stood before that woman and he knew everything. And his response to her was love. It was unexpected, but it was love. And if that's you today, and you're, you're feeling like, okay, God, I, I feel something in my heart, I want you to know that God, he sees everything that you've ever done, and his response to you is love. And that, to me, is such a beautiful picture. We see Jesus do this for, for the Samaritan woman. So what are, you, what are you called to today? Are you called to give love and carry that burden for someone or for a group of people? Are you called to receive that love. Response, how we respond to God is, is critical. And I, I don't know what that looks like for you. I gave you a couple strategies to do, but I believe that God is calling us to respond, to either give that love or to receive that love from him. So as we close, I would invite you all to stand up. And um, I, I think that praying God's word back to him is an incredible way to, to pray, to take hold of his promises. So this is Romans 5.8. It's personalized. So if you'll repeat this with me, starting with God, your word says. Ready? God, your word says, you showed your great love for me by sending Christ to die for me while I was still a sinner. God, we thank you that your love is unexpected, that we, didn't, we may not have seen it coming, but it was absolutely intentional. God, I thank you that you speak to us, you call to us, and that we have an opportunity to respond to either give or receive your love today, however unexpected it is. So as we go this week, would you allow us opportunities to reflect on that and to hear from you and to respond? We thank you, God, for your unexpected love that you have seen everything we have ever done in your response to us is love. We are so grateful for that. Jesus, it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for being here, everyone. Have a great week. Thanks for joining us online.